Hey everybody, welcome to Answer the Call. I'm Kelsey Kemp and I'm so excited for this week's episode. But first, just to give you the lowdown, this is a podcast for high-performing Christian professionals who want to find their calling and lead a rewarding career that's aligned with it so you can make an impact in the decades of work ahead. All right, so anyway, about this week's episode, <laughs> I've been so excited for it because it's with my friend Barrett and I, he is someone I could always count on for at least these three great things, which is one, a great story, a great laugh, and also great business advice as someone who has gone from being a teacher to a top 50 real estate agent in a hyper competitive market, uh, such as in Austin, Texas, where we have over 19,000 registered agents, just to give you some scale for how big a deal that is. And what kind of success he's carved out for himself in this. So this conversation is perfect for those of you who are aspiring to actually any kind of self-employment. There's a lot of great principles he shares, especially around time management, productivity as one who is calling the shots in your own schedule and having an autonomous workflow. Um, Also having boundaries around your work in a healthy way. And that includes topics that he addresses like setting expectations with your clients, peers, team, and whatnot. A lot of helpful stuff, actually not even as I'm realizing, wow, that's not even just for self-employed or aspiring self-employed folks. That's for all of us, isn't it? So I really hope you love this week's episode. Also, just for his really crazy career turnaround story from teacher to successful real estate agent. There's a lot here. All right, maybe I should just leave you to it. Enjoy this week's episode with Barrett Raven. There we go. Hit record. Barrett, you're here. I'm here. It's Friday. Oh, no, no. What you just did, the horns sign. Uh uh-uh. uh. I just Sorry, got rock, rock and roll. All right. I can accept that. I just finished telling you that I just came back from my alma mater A&M. So I'm like, "Mm, that is not the way to start this. But I understand. I can respect some school pride. Although, did you go to UT? I did go to UT. I'm a Longhorn. I'm right in that. Mm, Okay. Well, moving on. So uh, give us a little (laughs) intro, who you are, where you live, what you do. Yeah. Yeah. Deeper. For sure. Oh my gosh. And by the way, I'm so excited to be a part of your first 24 hour podcast interview. I heard we're going to cover every topic there is to cover ever. So I'm so excited. Mm -hmm. No, I'm just kidding. Um, So I am Barrett Raven, and I am from the metropolis of Conroe, Texas, north of Houston. Um, Graduated from UT in 2008. I was a teacher for a little while. I'm sure we'll get into that later. And I am now um, a residential real estate agent, and I run a team of uh, five awesome real estate professionals, including myself. And we help people buy and sell houses in the Austin area. And I cannot wait to talk to you today. I'm so pumped. I'm excited to dig in, especially since you, you know that we love a good juicy story about a career pivot around here. And so you went from teaching to being an ultra successful real estate agent. Also, can you say the name of your group? Because it's pretty it's I, I want to say um yeah I'm gonna say badass. okay so I'm gonna get an explicit rating on this wait Raven Realty Group right we'll call it the Raven Residential Group at Raven Realty Residential Group all right we love that um so how did you decide to make that pivot from teaching to realty 
real estate. Yeah, yeah, yeah you can yeah, call it either. <laughs> oh my gosh. Okay, so to back up just a little bit. So I graduated from UT in 2008. Um, I started dating who is now my wife, Kristen, we back in 2008, her. right after college. You know her, she's amazing. Um, and honestly, I think we both kind of assumed that we would go into like overseas mission work. And I was kind of like, I'll date you as long as you want to do missions as your life. And she was like, well, I'll kind of, I'll date you as long as I know you want to do missions for your life. And we were like, yes, let's go. Um, and so we started dating and we got married like pretty quickly. Like we dated for three months or engaged for three months. And it was just like, bam, let's do it. Um, so I started teaching. Um, so I studied economics at UT and I thought, what's a job that's in kind of high demand um, where I can use my degree? I love math. I loved economics. So I started teaching math and economics in 2009, um, middle school and high school. And so I was a teacher for about eight. Yeah, I was a teacher for about eight years. That's true. I was a teacher for eight years. And um, I really, really liked it. Um, so I started teaching in 2009. And then in 2010, um, we had our first son, Ira, who you also know. Yes. Um, and so Ira was born and we thought, okay, we still want to go do overseas mission work at some point, but like, you can bring a baby, right? Like, okay, at some point we will go and we'll bring our baby. Um, and we were kind of gearing up to go somewhere. And then we got pregnant with our second child, Wyatt. Um, and so Wyatt was born in October, 2012. And we thought, you know, we can go overseas with two babies, right? Let's do this. Um, well then when Wyatt was one week old, he had like major heart failure, right? And spoiler alert, he's okay now. Let's get that out of the yes. way. So I was like, I just saw him running around last week. So I feel at yes. peace, but that is a cliffhanger. Yes, he's crazy. He's feral. He's awesome. And he's still around. So Wyatt had major heart failure when he was like a week old. And they ended up flying him to Dallas. And he had open heart surgery when he was two weeks old. Okay. And it was crazy. Um, and it was pretty, I, it was pretty touch and go for like the first year of his life. And I think coming out of that year, he ended up being okay. We knew that we had care for him and we kind of knew that like, all right, we're staying in Austin. Okay. Our families are in Texas. He had really great medical care here. And at that point we had kind of like dug into some community here and we were like, okay, we're not going to go do overseas missions. We're going to stick around here, dig some roots in or whatever. And kind of coming out of that year, like in 2013, I think going through something like that and having crushing medical debt, yeah, it kind of makes you, it kind of makes you look at your finances under a microscope. Right. Mm -hmm. And so, I mean, I was teaching at a private school making like $38,000 a year. And I was the sole income provider in my family. I have no idea how we made that work, okay? But we did it. We did it. Um, but coming out of that year, when we took a closer look at our finances, we just realized, oh my gosh, like this 
not only is this not sustainable, like this actually hasn't been working for a while. Um, and I realized like we are living paycheck to paycheck uh, and we were operating under what we like to call the don't overdraft plan. And we often failed at that, okay? And so I really liked my teaching job at the time. Uh, I was teaching at a, a private school for dyslexic kids here in Terrytown called Ross and Saunders. Go Ross and Saunders, go Panthers, love it. Um, and I really wanted to keep my teaching job, but I could see like, this is not making any sense. The numbers don't add up here, right? So to make an incredibly long story short, there's actually a guy at church and he was just like, Barrett, you should invest. You, you, need to, you need to invest. And I was like, what invest? Like invest what? Like I have no, I have lots of negative money, you know? And he was like, well, you should invest in real estate. I'm like, well, you need a down payment. He's like, well, go get your home inspector's license and start inspecting homes. And you can like learn about a home. You can learn about homes and how they're put together and what makes a good house, a good house and a bad house, a bad house. And you can kind of save money on the side. It can be like your side hustle, right? And I was like, dude, that's a freaking awesome idea. Let's do this. So I went to like this uh, home inspector licensing website. And I don't know if anybody out there knows much about home inspecting, but I researched it for about eight seconds. And I was like, heck no. Like home inspector, you got to go under houses. You got to deal with rodents. You got to go up into hot attics. And I was just like, no. I'm not doing that. That is, I don't care how things are built, right? But while I was on that website, I saw um, information about like getting licensed as a real estate salesperson. And I was like, oh my gosh, are you kidding me? Like, this looks awesome. It's, it's dealing with people, dealing with markets. And like I said, I, I, got an economics degree, graduating in 2008 in the middle of the terrible economic crisis. Yep. And so that was really interesting to me. I loved math and like, let's be real, real estate is middle school math. That's really all it is. Um, and I thought, this is really cool. Like, there's a lot about this job, like the skills required that I kind of already have and that I love. And so I thought, you know, I'm going to get my license and I'm going to do it on the side. And so I ended up getting my real estate license six weeks later and thought I would do it on the side. And I, things just kind of, I don't want to say they took off, but things progressed like really, really quickly, um, which I'm sure we can get into later. Um, but let's just say, I mean, two or three months into it, I just fell in love with it. Um, everything about it. I love it. And so I did both of those jobs for like a year and a half. I finished out that school year. I did an entire additional school year. And I honestly would say I probably worked about a hundred hours a week. Like I would wake up at like 445 in the morning and like record YouTube videos and like look over contracts and just learn about the market. And like the moment I would get home from school, I would just go um, straight out to go show properties. I was doing open houses and showings on the weekends. I mean, it was like my family never saw me. Um, oh but 
That is so I, crazy. Honestly, yeah. when people tell me they, you know, I just haven't really, my, my work is busy. I haven't had time to look for another job. Blah, blah, blah. They're like a single person. I'm not meaning to throw shade, uh, but uh, okay. I am but like, I just don't have time. You didn't even just look for another job. You built up a real estate career and you were teaching at a private school and you had two little kids. <laughs> what? Yeah, I don't know. Where but there's I, a will, there's a way. I agree. I agree. And I think something that was really cool, like a huge blessing about that time is that I think before our son Wyatt went through his heart trouble and everything, I, I wasn't like super career motivated. I was just like, oh, cool. Yeah. Like I have this teaching job and it's great. And it's easy. Not easy. Teaching is not easy, but it was, yeah. it was simple. It I could just go to school every day and do my work and go home. Um, but then after we went through what we went through with Wyatt, I, like this switch flipped in my brain, right? Um, my therapist actually says, he says, you, he was like, I don't believe people really, he's really into the Enneagram. Yeah. And he's like, I am not a believer that people really switch Enneagrams, like over Enneagram numbers during their life. But he was like, I believe that you went from a nine to a three, like a peacemaker to an achiever, like overnight. And like I said, this switch flipped in my brain. And I would say I, I went into this mode of like failure is not an option, you know, mm -hmm. and like whatever it takes, I'm going to do it within ethical and legal guardrails. Yeah. Um, and like, I am going to make this work. No one is going to tell me this is not going to work. I am going to force this it is it's going to work um so anyway kind of picking up there I uh after about a year of doing real estate as my second job I guess um I was equaling my teaching pay so I was like okay which isn't that hard to do it turns out but um I was like okay I can do this as my job um and we had paid off all of Wyatt's medical bills um, and so that was, I take it back after a year and a half, we had paid off all of Wyatt's medical bills. And so, remarkable. yeah, thank you. And so essentially what we ended up doing, we paid off Wyatt's medical bills. Then we closed on our first rental property. I don't even know how that happened. Closed on our first rental property. Two days later was my last day of school. And then two days after that, our daughter Bowie was born. <laughs> so no. And so yeah, it she was loves to freaking, give everyone hugs. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So it was freaking just like jumping in the deep end. So Bowie was born in June of 2015. So since June 2015, this has been my only gig. And what? here we are. What? Okay. Yeah. One question that's coming to mind. This is kind of a side note. Um, another uh, realtor. Sydney was on the podcast like two years ago and she said a lot of people ask her you know I just would like to pick up some side gig I think real estate sounds cool and she's like oh my gosh do not assume that you could do this as a side hustle especially yeah. in such a competitive market as Austin but you did it I don't know what would you say to that um I think I think there are like two ways to do a, a quote side gig, right? Like there's a way to do it just kind of like part-time on the side. 
I honestly don't really think that works um, unless you're you're just doing it for maybe like some vacation money or like, but don't think that you're gonna be able to like create a, a whole new like income stream. Like, yeah. a, I don't know if I'm making any sense. It's really hard to do just kind of on the side part-time. Like I've seen people try to do it and they either end up quitting after three months or they end up just saying, screw this, I'm doing it full-time, Yeah. okay? But I think there's also a way to do it, which is kind of how I did it on the side, which was, I just did it as a second full-time job. Yeah, and that's it, what it, it sounds like. You just, just had your two shifts really freaking early in the morning and then however long it took at night yes. and on the weekends. And so you were giving all the effort that is necessary to build up a successful book of business when you're in real estate. And it's not just a casual oh yeah, I'll just text people every once yeah. in a while and be like, who do you know that needs the house? You know, but nope. yeah, much different the way you went yes. about it. Um, yes. And speaking of that and how you were able to craft a successful career in this, there's a lot of people listening who have on some level an aspiration to be a business owner, self-employed in some, in one form or another. And those starting years can be hard <laughs> yep how did you what did your initial years look like well I guess you know you gave some really great insight into that but what got you through it and what encouragement would you give to those who might have to just accept that it's going to be pretty humble and difficult for the starting out that is a wonderful question so looking back I think one one strategy that I always recommend to like new business owners and old business owners, I still do this, mm -hmm. is find a good coach or mentor, mm -hmm. right? Like, and then my, my favorite approach to that, I guess, is find someone who has been where you are, right? And who is a few steps ahead of you and who is doing your business, doing what you're doing the way that you want to do it. Right, like not just mm -hmm. someone who's successful, but like someone who's successful the the way that you want to be, and annoy them, like stalk them, like take them out to lunch, ask if ask if um, you can be coached by them, um, offer to pay them to mentor yeah. you, to coach you, and really like develop and maintain that relationship and do what they're doing. Like for the most part, there, my opinion is like, there aren't very many like new things out there, right? Like you're a career coach. There are other career coaches out there. I'm a realtor. There have been realtors for a hundred years, you know, like if you're a financial planner. There are financial planners out there. If you're starting a brand new tech company, there are people who have started brand new tech companies, you know, like, so the fact the matter is like the path is proven mm -hmm. you know it's it's and if it's not proven it's probably not the best thing to do um <laughs> so, so I don't know if I believe that but I think I do um but it's so, generally true and helpful to believe yeah and so I think uh, like pursuing people who have been where you want to go and figuring out what they do somehow and just doing that yeah that, that 
really is great advice because I think I had some weird assumption starting out that, no, I want to do it my own way. That's stupid. And we'll make you no money. Okay. (laughs) It's like, uh, there are so many people who have solved this problem that could just be like, here, let me shave three years of suffering off of your life. (laughs) And another thing that you noted that was so helpful is, and this can be kind of surprising to more of the W-2 traditional career folks is Mm -hmm. that it's common in the corporate environment to just pick a mentor. And that means a coffee chat once a month, and they give you some feedback and advice and maybe a connection in business or in working with small business owners and asking them to give you advice and mentor you, you mentioned that it's actually pretty common to pay them. Because for the self-employed person, their time is money, and that would be a direct sacrifice from their business to take you on. And so I just want to drop that that's actually really culturally common and accepted, uh, which is why I've invested in a bunch of programs and mentors too. Um, So I can imagine that, especially in the nature of your business, your phone is buzzing constantly, your email inbox is full Also, it's my perception that you always have to work on the weekends. How do you have any shred of balance or boundaries in your life? This is why this is going to be a 24-hour podcast, all right? Because I love talking about this. This is probably my number one favorite topic. And and I think actually, like just to back up just a tiny little bit, you were talking about how when you first start out, you're like, I want to do it my own way. You know, I think, I think that yes, like eventually you can do this your own way, but you Mm kind of have to have a proof of concept first and you have to build a reputation um, and kind of a foundation to say, Hey, like first I just need to do this. Then once I know I can do this, then start putting your own personal flourishes on it. Right. And I think that's like really boring advice. And people are like, oh, what? But no, it'll save totally your life. Fair. Yes. So, on to your question, your most recent question. So, this, this is something that comes up a lot with every business owner, every business owner that I know, especially in real estate. So, there's like a, a huge problem. And I think we have like a very broken um, industry. So, when you start out, if you think about it, like when you very, very first start out, um, I'm curious to know if you think this is true for you, but when you very first start out, you do not have experience. You do not have like skills, negotiation skills. Um, most of us don't have a ton of confidence. Like what is the what is the only thing we have to offer? What do you think? Your time and yes. energetic spirit and your great personality. Your availability. Right. So in real estate, especially, it's like that is the only thing we have to or that's the only thing we think we have to offer in the very beginning months. Like you can't if you're honest, you'll say, hey, I've actually never sold a house before. I'm not entirely sure I even know how to do it. But you know what? I will be available for you 24 hours a day, seven days a week, 365 days a year. Right. And that's how a lot of us get business in the very beginning. And so the challenge is like walking that back right? Because a lot of people experience, if they experience success using that strategy, well, one, two years in, 
when all of a sudden you do have skills, confidence, and experience, it's really hard to walk that availability component back because you out of fear, right? You're like, well, what if this got me here? Like, what if I take that away? And now all of a sudden I won't, I won't have any business. No one will want to work with me. So I, this is something I'm really passionate about because I worked so much in the beginning. And even when this was my only job, I probably still worked 80 hours a week just because I just filled up my teaching time with real estate time, you know, and I experienced success. And I also, so this was in 2000, 2018, starting in 2018, I got really, really sick. So I was sick for about a year and a half. Um, I had what? a fever for four months. I don't know if we've ever talked about this. Yeah, I I literally I literally <laughs> had a fever for four months. And I didn't really want to go to the doctor for a while because I was like, I know that I have nine types of cancer. Like I, I'm dying. I literally, I seriously thought I was dying. And I ended up going to the doctor and it turns out like, it's really gross, but I had an intestinal parasite, which ended up my whole system got rocked by antibiotics. And then I ended up having like H. pylori and salmonella poisoning and like crazy stuff. Like oh, that's crazy like stuff. biblical proportion of plagues. Yes. Yes. So I could barely, I would do a walk around our block and then I'd have like a raging fever for like two days. It was terrible. And I believe that it was purely like stress induced. Um, and I was experiencing some just hardcore burnout and it's because I had no boundaries. I had no guardrails on my time. I set no expectations for my clients and I was running around with my hair on fire all day, every seven days a week, didn't take a Sabbath day every single day I worked. Okay. So kind of like I had to go through what Wyatt went through, what we went through with Wyatt to like wake up and realize that our finances weren't working I had to go through that illness to like wake up and be like something is wrong like I have to change this stuff so um you're right my phone I mean like I used to refer to it as my box of cobras <laughs> that I would just like open up every day and it was just like getting bitten at on my face by snakes every day um and like there was one time Kelsey I was sitting down with a friend of mine for lunch and I was telling him about this and I had cleared out all my texts. I cleared out all my voicemails and calls and everything. And I sat down with them and we were 30 minutes into our lunch and I was telling him about this and I was like, watch this. And I just picked up my phone and I showed him what I had from the moment I sat down 30 minutes later. I'm not exaggerating. I had 84 text messages. Yeah. I had 84 text messages oh. and I had, I want to say I had like 17 missed calls with like seven or eight voicemails in 30 minutes. Okay. And I was like, this is crazy. And I only know those numbers because I've told that story so many times. Um, and I was just like, something has to change. All right. And I had this epiphany and quick plug. I mean, for the coaching thing, it was because a business coach, a mentor that I had really drove this home with me. And like, this is the thing, this is like my mantra right now. Your clients will expect what you tell them to expect. Hmm. Simply. Yeah. That's it. 
That's it. I mean, really, people will expect what you tell them to expect, right? And so I thought, why do my clients expect me to be available 24 hours a day? It's like, oh, well, I'm basically telling them to expect me to be available 24 hours a day, seven days a week by my actions, right? And by what I'm not saying, I'm not telling them what our boundaries are. And so something, something that I've gotten really passionate about and serious about is getting crystal clear with the expectations that we set for our clients. So I say we, because my team also now. So really when we sit down with our clients for like our very initial consultation, we actually tell them at the end, hey, we just want to let you know what our working hours are. We have working hours just like you do. So we work Monday through Friday, nine o'clock to 5.30. We work Saturdays from 10 a.m. to three. And Sunday is our team's day of rest. So you will never, ever, ever, ever hear from us on a Sunday. And you know what almost 100% of our clients say? Awesome. <laughs> Great. So yeah. So now, I mean, now I have a team that does the showings and contracts and offers and all that on Saturdays. Um, so I don't have to do that anymore, but none of us work on Sundays in an industry where everyone expects you to be available on a Sunday. Um, and I'm not saying that if you're a realtor, you have to take Sundays off or everyone has to do what I do, but it's just goes to show that if you just tell your clients what to expect, they will expect it. Um, and then in terms of my phone, Again, it's not really fair for me to speak to right now because I have such a great team who manages like our phone and email communication. But um, these days my phone isn't like, uh, let me see. Yep, I'm looking at my phone right now. Since we started this, I have one spam text and then <laughs> one text from a new client saying, our meeting went super well with your team. I think it did. <laughs> that's it what a turnaround that's it's it. literally been 33 minutes so this yeah. is a perfect one case study <laughs> <laughs> yeah no calls uh, emails I don't even know um and so I, I could go on Kelsey but yeah. yes clients will expect what you tell them to expect so that has been probably the number one most impactful um thing that I've done in my business is just tell our clients when we work yeah. And it seems that it's especially successful because you do that proactively, graciously, and you state it like, of course, it's not a problem right up front. But how do you handle that if, you know, maybe the person listening is in a job in which their team or their superiors are really overstepping boundaries that could be perfectly reasonable. Like we really don't actually need to be emailing at 12 PM and you don't need, I actually got yelled at for um, not picking up my phone at 1133 PM one time when I was Oof. in consulting. Um, but how do you actually retroactively go back and kind of have a reassessing conversation with, uh, you know, whoever the stakeholder is, maybe the boss in this instant, uh, do you have any example with that in terms of a client that you had to uh, communicate a boundary or level set in the middle of your co or relationship? Yeah, that's a great question. Um, I mean, here's the thing. I feel like 
if we do a okay, if we do a good enough job of setting explicit expectations with our clients of like this is who we are and this is how we operate, um, the clients who are not okay with that turn themselves away, mm. right? Yeah. So we don't have to work with everybody, and that's okay. Like we have had, I'm not going to sit here and say everyone's cool with this, right? From time to time, in 2021, we probably had three clients who were just like, "Oh, guys, like." I don't know about this. I really need a realtor who's who's available on Sundays. And I mean, I I fight for it. I say, you actually don't. That's not what you need. And let me explain why. Um, and and like, here's what's in it for you. That these are our hours, right? But and I think that's another important point is don't just say, hey, client, you want to work with me? This is what it's going to take. And we don't work on the Sundays, right? We try not to frame things in terms of what we don't do. Yeah. We try to frame things in terms of what we do. Yes. And so we do take Sunday off. Like we do take Sunday as a day of rest, right? Mm-hmm. Um, and I think you have to explain it in terms of what's in it for them, right? There's the whole what's mm-hmm. in it for me syndrome. And so, yes. and the only reason I didn't do it earlier is because I didn't want to take too much time on this, but we don't, we don't just say, hey, here are hours. Boom. Mm-hmm. Are you down or not? You know, we say, look, these are our hours and here's why that's a massive benefit to you, Yeah. right? Because our market moves so quickly. Like if you don't tell us by three o'clock PM on a Saturday that you want to make an offer, you're done, right? You don't have a chance at all. If you don't see the house as soon as possible, like if you wait to see a house until Sunday, you have no shot at any house ever. So like, why even waste your time seeing houses on Sunday? Come on. Like, oh yeah, cool. So again, really explaining it in terms of what's in it for them. But I think probably the most important tactic here is um, in terms of like resetting expectations in the middle of the process. We don't really run into this very much, but it's actually just like demonstrating what you said. So, I mean, (laughs) don't stop responding, you know, stop don't respond, put your phone away. Now I have like a separate work phone and a personal phone. So that helps a lot. Mm-hmm. Um, but even when I had one phone, I mean, at five 30, I just put my phone in the cupboard, like turned it off, put it in the cupboard. And I tell my family and my personal friends, like, if you guys need me after five 30, text Kristen, or I'll get back to you the next day. Yeah. Um, so I think it's, what's hard is what the worst thing you can do is set the expectation with the client. And then do not you do not have integrity not that's you know what I mean like not actually hold up that expectation yeah completely and I think what you said about just framing everything in the positive and a value add to them and the reason of why you're contributing with this strategy or this boundary instead of taking away by executing it everybody should learn that in every communication instance, like a uh, master negotiator, uh, he was with the FBI, uh, Chris Voss. He has the number one, or he has the highest rate of successfully uh, negotiating hostage, violent hostage situations in the history of the FBI. He wrote a book called Never Split the Difference. I think yes. I mentioned it pretty often. And he just, it's so important to uh, acknowledge what he says, which is, listen, everything is a negotiation. 
all of your communication really is. And to learn how to be others focused as well in that you have to be, it's not like you're trying to be slimy. It's just, you're literally, I think I'll boldly say, become a better person when you train your mind to work in, I'm communicating this for them instead of, Hey, I need to ask something or take something away or get a favor or get you to obey me or something. So that's so important that you highlighted that. The other thing that I would love to learn from you about is not only boundaries, management of boundaries, but management of time because (laughs) of how productive you've been able to be and to manage such a workload and a team now and build this. You clearly have a lot to say on it. Um, Were you always the disciplined time managing type or did you really have to cultivate this no I've been that way ever since I was born <laughs> just kidding no some people no. are and we just I'm have to acknowledge it up front yes 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 no absolutely not well okay so I had a little bit of a head start so being a teacher um I like you have to plan your entire day right mm-hmm. like I mean, quite seriously, I mean, every minute of the day is planned out. Okay. So, and in all of my years of teaching, I all, I even had lunch duty with these kids. All right. So I never even had like a lunch break. So, so you, it, it was really, it was just like a, a habit and it was just, I kind of internalized like lesson planning throughout the day and like teaching blocks of classes. And so it was really awesome. Well, whenever I went to real estate as my only job, I'm not going to lie. I had probably two months of just like free for all zero time. And I kind of did it on purpose. I was just like, I've had every minute of the day planned for me for the la- for the better half, better part of the last decade. I'm, I'm just going to I'm just going to go, I'm just going to do a free for all. And so that's really cute that it was two months. I am to make you feel better. It was honestly two years for me. (laughs) Whoa. Oh my gosh. The regret. But anyway, so yeah, you had these two free flowing months and then you were like back to time blocking. Yes. And that's actually what it, what it was. And so I had a free two months where I just rode my bike around town, went and had coffee with friends that I just hadn't got to see in a while. Um, and then at the end of that two month period, I was like, all right, it's time to get serious again. And I discovered my broker at the time, his name's Gary Wise. Still to this day, I have so much love for him. He taught me time blocking and it was cool because he was like, Barrett, it's essentially what you were doing as a teacher. Like you had lessons, you had classes and like every, every minute of the day had a block of time. And so he taught me to go through my calendar and just kind of like create ideal days throughout the week, right? So he's like, what would you have to do during the day to accomplish what you would want to do and like create blocks of time to do those things? So um, for example, he'd say, you know, if you want to scour the MLS and look for new properties for clients, why don't you do that from nine o'clock to 10 o'clock in the morning every day? That's your time to just learn the market look for, look for houses for clients. And then what if from 10 to 11, you got on the phone with clients to tell them what you found, right? And then from 11 to 12, you record a YouTube video, you know? 
and then from 12 to 1 you edit it i mean like he was like set set blocks of time and treat them like a doctor's appointment mm -hmm. right like there are certain blocks of time that just can't be moved so it's like I love that. Treat it like a doctor's appointment. That is what I have not done with all of my time blocking. I'm like, man, well, I just made this up. <laughs> yep. Yep. And that, Can't and do that, that was something that I learned totally. And so that was something that I learned pretty early on was that always occurs to me in my mind is just treat it like a doctor's appointment. So if you had a doctor's appointment and someone wanted to grab coffee with you, you're not going to be like, mm, I'm going to move around this doctor's. No, you're going to go to the doctor's appointment, right? Um, even if something important came up. And so he taught me that certain blocks of time cannot be moved. They're like sacred. But then he also taught me that apart from that, time blocks can be moved, but never deleted, right? Mm -hmm. So he's like, if this is what you need to do, this is what you need to do. And you have to keep it sacred. And so I do feel like I go through these seasons where I'll like start to drift away every few months. And then I'll like get back to being like super hardcore, right? So it kind of ebbs and flows a little bit, but that has been something that's been something that's like really, it's been the biggest game changer is really truly learning how to time block. Mm. Okay. Actually, this is such a good plug. I have this book. Oh my gosh. No, my headphones. I think that they'll allow me. There we go. I did not rip my mic off my desk, uh, but yeah, redeeming your time. Oh my gosh. This Ooh. is so cheesy. I mean, I'm like bring up a video hey. or the book on the video, but redeeming your time uh, by Jordan Rayner is the book that, I mean, it kind of says it itself, what it taught me to do. It says seven biblical principles for being purposeful, present, and wildly productive. Huh. This book changed my life. What's it called? All right. This down redeeming your time by jordan rayner i got it got to interview him about this book when it came out no so way cool. um but for anyone who wants a resource read that it's not this long and winding story it's like one chapter at a time i am going to implement this new practice and watch it transform my life <laughs> and huh. so it's very practical and helpful and inspiring too anyway back to you though Aside from time blocking, what other, if any, practices would you really recommend for the listeners to start implementing? Get an executive assistant <laughs> yeah. who will hold you accountable to your time. Um, and, you know, now I hate to keep going back to this, but when I started, I, I was in the whole failure is not an option mode, right? Because, mm -hmm. like, I didn't want to disappoint my family. I, I didn't want to let them down. And now... I have a team and like, I quite literally, like I, I have people to feed. I have other people's yeah. families to feed, you know? And so it's, it's, it puts a lot of like good pressure on me. And now like, I don't want to let my team down. Right. And they're looking to me to be the example. And so, I don't know, I just feel like I need to be the leader in terms of practicing good time management, just being effective, just being effective with my time and my schedule. And like, really, I actually had a business coach one time who said, if you don't follow your schedule, you have no integrity. Like if you That's don't follow your schedule, like if you don't follow your schedule, you don't deserve to be followed. And I was like, <laughs> and so, so that's been, again, that's kind of something that goes through my head a lot. And so I, um, I want to be I want to be somebody who people want to follow. And so here we are. But oh, so 
mm-hmm. get an executive assistant, get a team. Um, here's another thing. This has been like a, a recent hack that is probably a lot of people already do this and it might seem really obvious, but when I go, so go through your calendar every morning, right? And then actually write it down. So like mm-hmm. I actually write down my schedule every day based on my Google calendar might be like, what, why? What? Why? Yeah. <laughs> I just feel like it really helps me to see it and then to actually write it down. Yeah. Um, and then I go through and I set a timer for one minute before each time block ends, right? Ooh. And then it's really easy to do on your phone. You can just like say, hey, you know who? Set a timer for blah, 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 blah. And I just have a gazillion timers going throughout the day. And it, it takes me like 15 seconds to set all the timers. And so that way, if I'm sitting with somebody for a meeting and my timer goes off, my kind of script, easy script is I just say, oh, there's my one minute warning. Mm-hmm. And then boom, wrap up the conversation and go. If I'm oh in, my gosh, if I'm working on- You just on, saved my life. I need to start doing that. <laughs> oh, it's sorry, the timer. Yep. Gotta go. So after this, you know, I've got a 15 minute call with the client. And so at minute 14, my timer will go off and I'll say, Oh, John, there's my, there's my one minute warning and wrap it up and go. So that's been really helpful too. Master sensei. What you said was so real about like, if you can't follow your schedule, you don't deserve to be followed. That calls me higher in the biggest, most painful way. But also I've just watched myself and others really have a very, very, quickly deteriorating sense of trust in yourself and your own abilities when you just decide to slide on the like million little micro decisions in your day. No, it's fine. No, it's fine. I'll just relax. It's not a big deal. Not a big deal. And then it just rolls into, I am, you have an identity around, I am not a person who says I do what I say I want to do or what's important to me. So yeah, I think our lives are made and built off the little TikToks of our day. Um, and can I say one more thing on that? Please. So I think too, it's important. One mistake I made when I initially started time blocking was just like slamming out my day, like every minute with tasks. And -hmm. that's not realistic, right? Like we're people, not robots. And so I think it's also like, you got to have grace and compassion for yourself, like Mm -hmm. period end of story. So you're going to, you're not going to do perfect. Um, but I also think it's important to like actually schedule out, like block out time for margin in your day. Mm -hmm. So I would say like, if you do not have at least one hour a day of like flex time, you are, it's a recipe for disaster because you are not going to be able to follow your schedule perfectly. If you have no room for random things coming up or getting distracted every now and then, like you gotta, you gotta build in a little bit of margin. Absolutely. Actually, the book I recommended, Redeeming Your Time, talks about that so helpfully because the science behind it is our, uh, is it like micro circadian rhythms? I don't remember what it's called, but our brains naturally work on a 90 minute focus cycle. And if you notice yourself having a depth of focus and then it gradually comes out until you full on realize you're distracted and have a farting around tab open on your computer, it's actually because look at the clock. It's likely been about 90 minutes 
And you need to follow that instinct and break the pattern. And if you were doing a mental task, do a physical task, wash the dishes. Mm -hmm. All you need is about 10 to 15 minutes of reset. And it allows your mind to go even deeper into the next 90 minute cycle and make it really Mm -hmm. even more impactful. So um, yeah, he recommends the 10 to 15 minute breakup cycle and you could still do something productive but try to like maybe if you were just writing it could be a call or speaking or walking and so it was really helpful the last thing I really want to ask you about is according to the stats for this show the vast majority of listeners this is very specific are between the age of 23 and 34 so let's let's cut that to the middle let's say like (laughs) 27, 28, my age, actually 28. Okay. So give me some advice, actually. Um, (laughs) What career advice looking back, would you give your 28 year old self? Or if that's too specific, let's just do uh, late twenties. No, that's great. And I think I started my real estate career when I was 28, maybe 29. Mm -hmm. Um, That is a really great question. So, I mean, one, one piece of advice, I was thinking about this actually earlier and I think the advice that I would give is like don't feel married to like what you're doing right now like it could very well change so like let me ask you this so Kelsey like you're how long have you been like a working professional six years I don't know I started my first business when I was 16 but really okay six years post-college yeah. Okay. So let's say six, right? So since you were like, what, 22? Yes. So six years and most people, you probably know this better than me, but like how old are most people? What's like the average retirement age? 65. 65. Okay. So that's what, 43 years? Yeah. Is that right? So we have a 43, is that right? Yes. I'm, <laughs> I don't so know. I'm just going to yes. let's say 43 years. That's 43 years. All right. So you've been working for six years. You've been a serious like professional for six years. So mm-hmm. like rounding down, like you have experienced one of your seven career life cycles right now, right? Like think about everything that you've done and everything that you've been through, the different jobs and approaches that you've taken. Like you've only been doing this six years and you have six more of those to do. That's really right? humbling. So come on, like, (laughs) I just hear too many people like, oh my gosh, you want to hear something crazy? So when I was 20, I think I was 28 when our son Wyatt was born. So that's also, we were in the hot, we, (laughs) so we, I'm 37 by the way. And I, I feel 77. So anyway, I was 28 when Wyatt was born and we were in the hospital and I was just so like inspired by like the doctors and like the respiratory therapists and the like cardiac surgeons and everything. And I remember thinking like, man, this is so cool. Like how cool would it have been to be able to like be in the medical world, but I'm too old, you know, like, but I'm already so established in my teaching career. You know, I, it, that ship is sailed. It's like, what? <laughs> 28. <laughs> so I think, I think the, the average listener, 28 year old needs to understand that like, I'm not exaggerating. 
they can do anything but like but what they need to understand is it's like it's true (laughs) like they can do anything right now if you just want to go to medical school you can freaking do it if you want to start a company anything you can do it um if you want to go like think of the craziest thing i mean if you want to be a literature professor at columbia and you're 28 years old and you just have a bachelor's or an associate's degree or a bachelor's degree in math guess what you can do that like you have so many more career life cycles to live and i hate when i hear people just get all down and out because they feel like they're too old or like that their ship has they sailed. They picked the wrong major, so they're they forever the wrong major. doomed. Are you kidding me? Are you kidding me? Who cares no. about your major? <laughs> that, uh, I feel like I just need to uh, extract and then loop that little clip <laughs> of who cares about your major, like genuinely like doubling over oh. laughter. So <laughs> yes, it's so- not that serious. It's really not. Oh. Uh, people so will fight me on it, but I think that's fine. Like, why though? Like, I just so think, I am an employer. Really right. I am I am an employer. I like oh. to think I give people really really good jobs, and so out of I was talking about this with my wife earlier in my career so far, I believe I've had nine employees. Do you know how many of them I even know what their major was? zero zero out of nine nine. I never knew I have no idea I'm sitting here like Lydia is my mission control absolute beast employee like she is a boss I have no idea what she studied in college I'm pretty sure she went to Texas State I have no idea (laughs) that that's the real deal though because I I mean, literally yesterday, um, someone asked me, so what did Rose, my assistant, uh, major in? And I similarly was like, um, <laughs> I don't know. I like, I needed her for graphic design and marketing. And so I just paid attention to the way she designed her resume yeah. and she did some mock-ups and had a portfolio. That's, I don't care. Like I actually, oh, Okay. I don't want to ruffle feathers. I assume that college is mostly going to be hot air that you will not remember anything from. So I'm more concerned about, as I'm sure you are, what kind of professional are you? What kind of person are you? Will, do you have follow through? Do you have examples of your work? Do you have case studies? Like what was your real professional experience like? if you don't have another full-time job that is traditional for this background that you're, or uh, for the new role that you're applying for, do you have some freelance work that you could show? Mm-hmm. That's, that's really what matters. So, and you could drum up to your point, drum up new experience to qualify you for a new level in your career. Anytime. 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 Man, thank you for that. Uh, any closing final words that anything that you want to underscore from our conversation or make sure that the listeners walk away with yeah and I mean I think I think this is more directed to well it's definitely directed to business owners so I think something that's important is kind of just clarity 
you know, like getting clear on your vision for your business, because Mm -hmm. your vision for your business might be totally different than my vision for my business. So like, for example, you know, one thing, like a, a big game changer for me has been just learning the art of delegation. Mm-hmm. Right? Like, I am not the best. I am not the savior of the universe. Like, I, our clients, for the most part, don't care if I'm doing something or a team member is competently doing it. And so, like, delegating is really big. But I think that's because I have the vision of I want to build a business, right? Mm-hmm. So, I think it's totally valid for someone else to to have clarity and say, hey. I want to be a service provider, right? Like I want to be a customer service uh, practitioner provider. Well, that's great. But like, I want to have a business that provides customer service. Like I want to build the most awesome, massive, like real estate transaction machine, (laughs) right? But that's me. And so I think like so much of the advice that I could give is like based on my vision for my business and so that doesn't necessarily work for everybody um so I'm not exaggerating we could sit here for 24 hours and I would love to and like we barely scratched the surface but I just think having clarity and just knowing what your vision is for your business is so 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 important yeah it necessitates like you said who you would even reach out to for advice Someone that's modeling what you want, not just generically. Oh, they have some good things to say. Yeah. Uh, So thank you for that. Last thing, where can listeners connect with you if they would like to buy a wonderful home in Austin? Yes. And we also help people sell homes, by the way. And sell, of course, of course, buy or sell. I mean, if it's sell, hit me up. Let's do an off-market deal. Please help me. No doubt. Let's put something together. No, um, you can always reach out to me via email. It's just my straight, my name straight through. So Barrett Raven, B-A-R-R-E-T-T-R-A-V-E-N at gmail.com. Um, and please look me up on YouTube. If you just search YouTube Barrett Raven, you'll find me. It's like Barrett Raven Austin Real Estate, I think. Um, and I put out a video every week. I'd love you what? to go in and subscribe. And I just, I love my YouTube channel. I love doing it. I'm going to have to check that out. What the Do heck? it. Oh, I'm so Do excited it. for that. And I'll leave all that um, as a link in the, or links in the show notes as well. Awesome. Barrett, you're awesome. I am Aww, so grateful that, that I get to know you and <laughs> learn from you all the time. And thank you for coming on the show. Heck yeah. Thanks for having me, Kelsey. You're the best. I actually over-delivered in these show notes by not just linking Barrett's YouTube channel and email, but also his dope website and Instagram. Please go check them out and support. And as usual, if you would like to work with me to get your career strategy and vision in place, you could apply for one of my one-on-one coaching spots for high-performing Christian professionals who are interested in making a meaningful career move in as little as 90 days whether that's landing a job at a company you really look up to and are excited about or pivoting into a new career path altogether. You can head to my website and apply for a free career strategy session with me at kelseykemp.com services. The program is selective and the spots are limited, but go ahead to kelseykemp.com services. All of those links are, you guessed it, in the show notes below. 
you can also follow along with my free career tips and behind the scenes stuff and podcasting news when you follow along with me on LinkedIn. That's where I'm at more of the time these days. And if this episode impacted you, I would just be so honored if you were up to support the show with just one click so easy by leaving a rating on whatever platform you're on right now. See you next week on Answer the Call.